So today, I've been talking to you for the past few weeks about the Bible reading plan, and today is the day we're kicking it off. Uh, I'm going to try to do something that I've never really done before. I've done a couple reading plans through the YouVersion app, but never done one for a year. And uh, so far, there are about, I've sent the link out to several people, but there are about 15 people who have who have signed in and registered, and you're going to take that journey with me, and we're going to do it together as a church family. So we're going to read the Bible in a year. And, uh, and so that does start today. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want to join in, no better time than today as we, as we take the first step in this journey. So I just want to encourage you, uh, you can just uh, send me an email, and there's my email address right there, and I can add you to that plan today, and you can jump right in with us. I'll also say, as you leave today, we've got a bookmark, and we've got one of these. Now, the bookmarks, the ushers, we have enough so that uh, one person, every, every single one of you can have one. And it's a little magnetic bookmark, and the hope is it's got the sermon series graphic on there. Yeah, there it is. And so that every time you open your Bible and you see that, you'll be reminded to, about this series. You'll be reminded to keep that Bible reading plan going. And then if you do have a, if you would rather read a paper Bible, and I got to tell you, uh, that has been my preference for years. But like I said, I'm trying something new. But uh, we have these at the guest services desk. And what it is, is it's, it's broken out the reading that you need to do to read the whole Bible in a year. And it's 365 days. Once you've done that day's reading, you just put a check mark there. And so these are available at the guest services desk. Go by. Feel free to pick one of those up on your way out. And, uh, and we have several of those there for you. And we're all jumping in. Today. Now, one of the reasons uh, we're doing that, one of the reasons that's so important, is because we've been in this series called Sound On, Unmuting God's Voice. And, and the thing that we said was there are different ways God speaks. There are different ways God speaks, but one of the ways that God always speaks, He always, always, always speaks how? Don't make me preach sermon number one over again. God always speaks through. His word, his word. That's why we're getting in his word. That's why we're reading his word. God's will is found in God's word. And we, we pray, God, would you show me your will? And he's like, well, there's a Bible sitting right there beside you. And so we're getting into scripture. We're getting into the Bible. And we learn that God always speaks through his word. But there are other ways that God speaks. Uh, sometimes, some other ways God speaks often. And, and so how do we know? How do we know? Uh, give you an example. We said one of the ways God speaks is God will speak to you through dreams. That's, that's biblical. God will speak to you through dreams. But here's the question. How do I know if that dream last night was from God? Was that dream from God? God will speak to you through impressions. God will speak to you through ideas. How do I know if that impression was from God? Because that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Okay, I've got this impression. I've got this way I'm thinking about going, this thing I'm thinking. And it seems like God. It might be God. It could be God. How do I know if that's God. And so here's what we did. We came up with this little resource for you. And we've got one of these for everything. I say we. This is the royal we. So Pastor Jim wrote this resource. And now we have it available for you. 
Um, but it says, did I just hear from God or did I eat too much pizza last night? Okay. So that's what we're looking at. Did I hear from God? Was that dream? Was that impression? Was that from God? And, and I really believe that this is going to be a tool for you. Just like physical tools go in a toolbox and you, maybe you don't use it every day, but when you need it, boy, it sure is nice to have the right tool for the job, isn't it? It sure is nice to be able to have confidence to go to that toolbox and know that what you need is there in the time you need it. And so we're going to give those away uh, as you leave, one per family. Because here's the deal. So scripture's clear. There are different sources of information. We have already said God is a source. That God will speak to you. He can speak. He does speak. God is a source. But there are other sources as well. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Here's what that verse is saying. I'm a source. I, I, have, I have ideas that I think are brilliant. I have ideas that I think are good. And so I do things because... I thought it. I, I am a source. You have friends. Your friends, other people are sources of information to you. Let me kind of cut to the chase. There's another source. And, and, and the source we want to make sure that we're not following, we want to make sure that we're not listening to, that is Satan. It's Satan. Now, Satan is cunning. He's crafty. He's sly. He's not going to come to you in a red cape and a pitchfork. Okay? Partly because scripture doesn't say that that's the way he dresses, but that's kind of what Hollywood does, right? That's our picture of him. He's not coming to you because if you knew, if you had an idea and it was followed by, you should do this, this is Satan speaking. He'd be like, no, absolutely. I don't care how good it sounds. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be something going I'm not doing that. Because we know what Satan called. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the father of lies. How do you tell a lie? How do you accuse? You speak. You speak. And, and, and so the scary part is Satan will speak to you. And again, he doesn't come as Satan. Here's what scripture says, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen: For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He disguises himself and he tries to trick even mature believers into thinking they have heard from God when in fact it's the father of lies. And we live in a world where all kinds of things are done in the name of God that absolutely break the heart of God. How many of you know who I'm talking about when I say the name Jim Jones? If you know who Jim Jones is, several of you, several of you. If you were alive in the late 70s or if you've been, if they covered that in history class, you know. Let me just kind of cut to the chase here. Jim Jones did a lot in supposedly the name of the Lord. And in hindsight, God had absolutely nothing to do with it. I know this is an extreme example, but he tricked about a thousand people into moving to Guyana with him. They sold all their possessions. They pulled their money together. They came together, and, and, and 
they moved over to Guyana. And then one day, kind of the jig was up. One day, uh, they were under some scrutiny, under some pressure. And so Jim Jones comes to them and he says, Guys, God told me that we're supposed to kill the children. You think, how in the world? I would never. And yet, and yet they did. And then they turned on themselves and they drank poison. You ever heard the saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid? That's where that comes from right there. Absolutely tragic. Absolutely horrendous. When, when, when lawmakers got there, when people got there in authority, nearly a thousand people were dead. All because... Someone said, I've heard from God. And so I know, I, I pray that, that that example is so far-fetched and that, that, you, oh, that never happened in my life. I pray you're right. But here's my question. What are we believing that Satan, again, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He comes in as an angel of light. He wants to, thank you. He wants to make you think God is speaking to you And yet God's nowhere in that. And so, can we test? Can we test God? Are are we allowed to do that? Does that that offend God? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, Scripture encourages us. You test the spirits. Don't just believe anything. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are a lot of people claiming that they speak for God. You better check them out. You better better have a test. And so really, that's all this booklet is designed to do. It's just designed to be a test. It's what we're calling the seven filters. So there's seven filters, and when you get an impression or a dream, or you think, I think maybe I've just heard from God, you run it. And if it passes through, here's the important part though, if it passes through all seven, then it's from God. So it's not like a passing grade kind of thing. If it passes five of seven, that's not mostly from God. Okay, that's, it's just not from God. It's got to pass all seven. And then if it does pass all seven, Regardless of how improbable it may be, go for it. Believe in great faith because God is able to do immeasurably more than you think or or could even pray for. God can do it. And so God's calling you to great heights. And so, so these seven filters... Now, let me give you this caveat. I am not preaching this book. I'm going to preach the seven filters. So don't feel like, well, I saw the movie. I don't need to read the book, okay? That's not what's happening here. On the way out, this booklet, it won't take you long to read it. But I'm going to show you different verses. I'm going to, I'm going to put my own kind of spin on it. And so I think it would be helpful for you to hear the sermon and read the book and hear, hear really two different perspectives on it. All right. Seven things. You note takers, you're going to love this. For all you, you know, for all you non-note takers, be back next week, okay? I got you. Seven filters. Let's go. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? So I hope you're seeing by now. I hope if you've been with us here for the past few weeks, you're understanding that we hold the Bible in high regard. It is the source of of absolute truth. 
Scripture is so important. And so the test, it's so many times, did I hear from God? Well, God always speaks through his word. And God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to say one thing today that contradicts what he's already written in his word. Here's what Jesus said about that in Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What God has said is established. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't contradict himself later. And so Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't. Paul tells the church in Galatia, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Paul, Paul says, hey, listen, if I come back to you later and I tell you something different than what I told you last time, don't believe me. Because what I've already said, that's right. Don't believe if If one of my crew comes, if, if somebody, if one of my disciples, one of my followers dissents and starts teaching something different, why is that so important? Because we have people that we trust. We have people that we put confidence in, that we put stake in. Yeah, well, they said it, so it must be right. We always, always, always have to go back to Scripture. Does it agree with the Bible? And then I love what Paul says. Paul says, if an angel comes to you. Now, every time an angel would come to earth, it would scare the people on earth to death. As a matter of fact, the first thing, every time an angel comes, the first thing the angel always says is, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Why did they say that? This is not a trick question. Because the people were afraid, scared. I, I don't know what it looked like. The, 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 the radiance of the angel, the brilliance of the light. I, I don't know what it was, but in some way, those people who had encounters with an angel, they knew that heaven had met earth. They knew there is something different. There is something amazing. And so Paul says, if an angel comes, as amazing as that would be, as, as otherworldly as that would be, if an angel comes and tells you something different, don't you believe that angel? Hey church, can I, can I preach for a minute? That's how cults start. That's how cults start. I, I, they say, well, I heard this from an angel and I've got some extra material. I've got some extra stuff. It's not in the Bible, but just believe me. Paul says, let him be accursed because what I've already told you is what's true. Again, I'll just say it again. God's will is found in God's word. So does it agree with the Bible? Number two, number two, does it make me more like Christ? So the goal of Christianity is to begin a relationship with Jesus and then to spend the rest of your life becoming more like Jesus. He is our example in humility. He is our example in generosity. Jesus was perfect and he modeled for us the way to live this Christian life. And so that's it. Follow Jesus, period, full stop. That's the goal of the Christian life. Because if we follow Jesus, if we do what he did and what he's doing, we'll be doing the right thing. I want to show you two verses. They, they essentially mean the same thing. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. 
Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Hey, hey, church in Corinth, you want to know what to do? If you'll just do what I do, I'm doing what Jesus did, and so we'll both be doing the right thing. You guys remember playing that game in elementary school, follow the leader? And if the leader walked in a zigzag pattern, then what? The whole line walks in. And if the leader hops twice, then everybody what? Hops twice. You're following the leader. That, that essentially is what the Christian life is all about. And when we're doing it best, we're following closest. We're following closest. Because the Christian life, again, is all about becoming more like Christ. The next verse says, uh, this is John. He says, whoever says he abides in him, in Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if we look back in our lives, if we look back a year, two years, three years, five years, and we can't tell a difference, well, I'm really the same person I am that I was five years ago. That's not good. If we are truly following Christ, then we will be becoming more Christ-like. We will be bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Our lives will change. We'll be different. We'll be able to see the differences. And so if we can't see those differences, again, it is fair to ask, am I really following Christ? So if you want to know if you've heard from Him, does it make me more like Christ. Number three, does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? Ephesians 3.10, put that up there. So that through the church. I want you guys to read that first part with me. Here we go. So that through the church. Through the church. God is doing something through the church. What's he doing? Through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The manifold wisdom of God. I don't even know what that is, but I want it. No, I'm just kidding. I do know what that is. The manifold wisdom of God is available to the church. How? Through the church. Through the church. The word church there is ecclesia. Ecclesia, a gathering together of redeemed people, a gathering together of Christian believers. That is a church. Church is not about a place. It's not about a building. Come on, who knows that better than us? It's not about a place or a building. It's about the people of God coming together to serve the purposes of God and to become more Christ-like. And so... And so God says, through the church, through the church, God will speak to you individually through other believers. So when you get an idea or impression, hey, is this God? I think God might be speaking to me. One of the things that God has set up is, is for you to have godly people in your life. You'll be blessed to have other believers around you that you can run things by. Hey, I'm thinking about... Hey, I was considering other believers, bridge group leaders, uh, elders in the church. God speaks to the church through the church. That's why Pastor Ivan's so passionate about bridge groups. That's why he's sliding iPads in front of all y'all today. He wants you to hear the voice of God. 
He wants you to hear the voice of God. God speaks to the church, through the church. We need believers in our life. We need counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. As I was preparing this point, I thought, I thought back to years and years ago, more than 10 years ago at this point, uh, I had a buddy of mine, one that I'd grown up with in the church, one that, uh, that a lot of us knew, he was very well known in the church, and he started liking this girl. And it was very obvious, he was being flirtatious with her, those kinds of things. And so several of us went to him and said, man, you just, I don't think that's a good thing, you probably want to leave her alone, you know. The youth pastor went to him, and you probably, that's not. <clears throat> I don't have to finish this story because you know how this story goes. You've got people in your life, the, the story's not the same, but it is. You've got people in your life, and you see them, and they are just disregard. God, uh, there's godly counsel available to them, and yet they won't listen. Come on, we all have people like that in our life, don't we? We all know people, and they won't lean into it. Can I step on some toes for just a minute this morning? We sometimes have that happen to us, and God wants to speak to us. And God has put people in your life who are warning you and cautioning you and trying to help you. People who love you and they care more about the relationship than they do. They care more about you than they do if it hurts the relationship a little bit. And so they're cautioning you. But you know what we do? We're so tempted to think, yeah, but you know, my situation's different. This is, but, but it's not the same as, Yes, it is. The thing that's different is we are emotionally invested in our situation. But God is trying to scream to you through the megaphone of through the church, through other believers. He's trying to warn you. Let me tell you what happened to my buddy. Months later, after a lot of time and effort and energy and emotions, and, and let's be honest, after a lot of money, because you ladies are expensive. It ended with a broken heart, severed relationships. They couldn't even be friends anymore. And all these people tried to warn him, and he wouldn't listen. Does it pass that filter? Does my church family confirm it? Number four, I'm going to fly through this one. Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Is it consistent with how God shaped me? So this summer we did a five-part series on niche. And I will send you those sermons if you would like them. But that's what this was all about. God had a purpose in mind when he created you. He placed a calling on your life. And he made you perfectly for that calling. All of your, uh, all of your personality, who you are, how you're wired, how you're made, your talents, your abilities, your skill sets, your experiences, all of that God wired on purpose for a purpose. That's what we said all five weeks. God made you on purpose for a purpose. The verse we used was Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
And I told you I wasn't going to preach the booklet, but I, I will tell you one of the examples Pastor Jim uses for this one. He says, so if you're tone deaf <clears throat> and you get an idea and you think it's from God that you should be on the worship team, it ain't from God. It's not consistent with how you were made. But I would like to add, if you are tone deaf and if you feel led to be on the worship team, we can't put you on stage. That will not happen. The ERT team will take you out, okay? We can't put you on stage, but here's what you can do. You can sit on the front row near me and the tone deaf people can hang out together. Let me tell you something. The reason our band has to have, you've seen them, they wear those little things in their ears, and they got to get, I love our band, band, I love y'all, y'all are so amazing, but let me, so they have to wear this thing because the mix has to be just right, and I need more bass and less cowbell and all that stuff, (laughs) and so occasionally as the worship song's going, you'll see the band, they're kind of doing their boom, and they'll pop that thing out, and they're going, And then they hear me on the front row and they're like, dear Lord, let me put that back in. So tone deaf people, if you hear from God, it's because you're supposed to be on the front row with your pastor. Let me keep going. Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Number five. So Pastor Jim, we put up there. Yeah, okay. Here's the Andrew version. Is it my business? Okay. Here's how Pastor Jim puts it. Does it concern my area of responsibility? Well, that's a little too formal. Is it your business? Are you minding other people's business? Okay? Here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we come and we hear a sermon and we think, oh, Josh needed to hear that. And so we send Josh a little link. Man, you missed church. Here were the notes. You need that. Oh, this one was for Isaiah. Isaiah needed that. And so we're, God will speak to you for other people. He, he will. He does that sometimes. But most of the time, when God speaks to you, it is for you. It is for your area of responsibility. If you lead the parking lot, or if you lead the setup and tearing, or if you lead a worship team, or if you lead the preschool room, God will speak to you about your life and your area of ministry. Most of the time, God wants to communicate with you about your area of responsibility. And what happens so often is we miss it because we're so worried about somebody else. I need to share that with them. I need to tell. And we never even consider, I wonder why God wanted me to hear this message. I wonder why God wanted me to read that scripture. And so again, is it my business? Give you a a scriptural example of this. In John chapter 21, just write that in your notes. John chapter 21, go read it later this evening. Jesus reveals to Peter that he is going to die by crucifixion. He he tells Peter that. And then Peter, uh, the first thing he says, he says, but what about him? Jesus tells Peter that he's going to die by crucifixion, and Peter is worried about John. Yeah, but what's going to happen to John? Now, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and this sounds like a conversation that would happen in the Price household right now. Dad, I don't want to go to timeout, but Landon should go to timeout too because he hit me too. Peter says, but what about him? And and Jesus, in a very 
nice, loving, Jesus way, he basically says, what's it to you? You focus on following me. You focus on your walk with me. And let John worry about John. Hey, Peter, here's the Andrew version. It doesn't say this in any other version. Hey, Peter, mind your business. Mind your business. Number six, I see the time. I'm going to go quick. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? Here's the main point with this one. Conviction comes from God. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction points to specific things. Hey, you sinned in this area. I want you to repent. I want you to draw back close to me. Conviction is from God. Condemnation doesn't point to specifics. It attacks your self-worth. Condemnation says you're worthless. You're a failure. What are we going to do with you? There's no, there's no win. There's no, uh, there's no answer. It's just a bunch of problems. What does Romans 8 say? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what that has to do as far as impressions or dreams or is God speaking to you? Am I doing this because of guilt? Do I feel forced to do this? If you feel guilted into something, if you feel forced into it, it's not from God. That is not God speaking to you. Now maybe you might end up doing it but will your motivation change? Because it, it's about not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And so Pastor Jim explains that. I'm going to let him explain it more in the booklet. You guys need to read it. Conviction rather than condemnation. Number seven. Here's the seventh filter. Do I sense God's peace about it? Do I sense God's peace about it? 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is the author of peace. He wants, to have, he wants you to have a peace in your life. So, so what does that mean? If I am making a decision and I feel in a hurry about it, that ain't from God. If I'm making a decision and I feel pressure, that's not from God. Think about it, guys. As parents, what do we want? We don't want our children making decisions when they're anxious or, or nervous or overwhelmed or, or whatever the case may be, stressed out. God doesn't want you making decisions in that state either. Because God is our heavenly Father. And He knows we don't make our best decisions in those emotionally charged environments. We don't make our best decisions in that. God wants us to feel uh, uh, warm, secure, and loved. And it is in that environment, just like a, a physical child, it is in that environment that we as spiritual children are able to grow and develop. Guys, a lot of times, this, this idea of peace, we put too much stock on it. Now, it's important. There, there are times in your life where you're presented with a couple different options and you feel some anxiety about these, but there's this one and you feel, you feel peace. That feels, God does lead through peace. I've had many instances in my life. You could probably come up here and tell me of specific examples as well. God will lead through peace. 
But for a lot of us, and I'll just say growing up, that's kind of, that was it. That was the filter. That was the thing. Well, do you have a piece about it? That's important, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. I said a couple weeks ago, it is amazing when we want something bad enough, how we can justify it. How we can come up with all the reasons in the world, it's okay, and I can feel good about it. But whenever we go through these other six filters, it knocks all that other stuff away. These seven filters, they're so important because there are many sources that want to speak into your life. There are many, there are many sources that want to give you direction, that want to impress things upon you. One is God. But one is Satan. And he comes masquerading as an angel of light. Here's my prayer for us, is that the bridge in 2020, this will be the year that we go through the Bible. And, and some of you have done that before, but you'll do it again. And some of you have never done it, and this will be your year to go through it. And this will be the year that we hear the voice of God. This will be the year that, we'll, that God will give direction like no other time in our life. This will be the year that God will speak plainly like no other time in our life. Because Scripture says that He is the Good Shepherd and His sheep hear His voice and they respond and obey. And once we hear God's voice, we're going to want to do what He says. We're going to want to draw in an intimacy. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, God, we just acknowledge that there are a lot of different sources that want to, uh, that want to speak into our life. I, we, all have, we all have good ideas, but our good ideas pale in comparison to one God idea. We have friends who think that they know better than us about what we ought to be doing with our life. We all have so many different sources in our life, God, it's my prayer that this year, as we go through these filters, that we would hear the voice of God and we would be convinced of what we've heard so that we can follow you more closely, so that we can love you more deeply, so that we can honor you with who we are and what we're doing. God, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, God, that you would stir something in us Stir something in us to be in your word. Stir something in us, discernment and wisdom to know when we've heard the voice of God. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this year and that we would position ourselves so that we could hear and respond and obey. It is absolutely not easy. And yet that's where you come in. If we will lean into your Holy Spirit empowerment, you will help us. And so, God, I pray for that now. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.